Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome back to the program. My next guest is a trauma survivor and mental health advocate on a mission to create personal change through spreading love, bringing awareness, and assisting others in their own personal healing, self-love, growth, and grounding within themselves, for themselves, and their relationships. After experiencing just about every type of physical, verbal, and religious abuse one could endure from an early age, she became the world's greatest people pleaser and perfectionist well into her adult life which only attracted and perpetuated her personal problems. She was an expert in survival, barely holding her head above water. She is now training to be a life coach to help others overcome their own dark past by sharing the how and why behind her own recovery. Strap in for this wild ride from tragedy to triumph. Oh, and you might need a box of tissues. Please help me in welcoming Cassie Callister. Welcome. Cassie, Hi. thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. You have been through some crazy, crazy life experiences that have that could have caused the average duck to fold, <laughs> and you have turned them into strengths. Yeah. So yes, yes. T- you, tell me traumas and tell me. Let's go down that road. Okay. So I mean, I like to kind of label it as life experience because that's essentially what it's turned into. As you said, I've grown a lot. I've chosen to grow a lot from all of those things. Um, There have been a wide range of experiences that I've had from, you know, the verbal abuse and physical abuse and um, betrayal trauma, things like that. And I feel like for the latter part of my life, I really, it really molded me into a people pleaser. And um, that I, I turned into someone that felt like I had to perform to earn love or be a certain way to earn love. And um, so. Which we're kind of in a society that does that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if you're judged on what you produce. Right, right. On so many levels. Yes, yes. And um, so, you know, looking back, I, I, I've I, noticed that I had gotten myself into certain situations or relationships where I abandoned my self-worth because I didn't have any. And, you know, realizing that in your mid-30s is not super fun. And, but it does give an explanation to a lot of choices that I made. And, um, how, how old are you now? 40. 40. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Could we touch on some of the traumas that you went through without, I mean, you as much detail or as little detail as you want, but some of the things that caused you to lose your self-worth yes. or to give it up? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I would probably start with, you know, as as a child and um, 
through the teenage years and things like that. The um, I didn't give it this label, but it it was a label that um, I've learned and religious abuse, and it was very much um, I I have a lot of experiences, unfortunately, with that, where if you don't do things a certain way, you won't be happy. And so um, I just really wanted and desperately desired to have a, to be loved and accepted. And so um, the physical abuse that was involved, I chalked it up to, hey, I deserved all of that. Um, the verbal abuse, I didn't even know that's what it was. It was just like such a normal part of my life that until, you know, I, I would share things all day long. Like I was with no emotion, like I was ordering off a McDonald's menu because it was such a normal part of my life. I didn't even think anything was wrong with it until people started to say, hey, you know, that's like not okay, right? And they put a word to it. That that's abusive. I'm like, wait, what? That that's abuse. And I, I kind of felt even silly calling it that because <laughs> So you thought these normal family relationships that was just normal. Yeah. Until someone else saw it. And yeah, and it was in my thirties. I had I had a family member, um, like extended family member. I would I would just share things. Oh, you know, these are my experiences. And the extended family member said, Cassie, like that, my heart aches for you. Like you are, that's abusive. And the first time anyone said that to me, like I said, I, I was like, really? It is? And so in the beginning, I didn't even think about it until I actually decided five years to go down the road of therapy and start therapy and counseling and have a professional look at me and say, hey, you know, these things that have happened to you, give it a name and a label and validate the things that happened to me. That is when I realized, wow, I've got some work to do. And since then, it's been a journey to address you know, my own choices in life and like where they're stemming from. And a lot of it stems from the inner child, the inner child work that I've done around just wanting to feel loved and accepted no matter what. And so um, growing up in an environment where I didn't feel like it was safe for me to communicate and I didn't feel like anything I said was valid. Um, it, I was realizing that I had grown into an adult who also had a hard time expressing when I was hurt or um, sad or angry, just any normal emotion <laughs> from, you know, someone else's actions. It was hard for me to express when something hurt me. And so I would bury it and bottle it up. And because at the end of the day, like I had always thought growing up, well, this has got to be something I brought on myself. This has to be my fault. And if I bring this up, that I like something that was said or done hurt me, there is going to be a consequence for it. 
there is going to be a negative reaction. That's interesting. You say, I hear that a lot. You felt you automatically go to, this was my fault. Mm-hmm. Any kind of abuse that happened, it was me. That's mm-hmm. interesting because you, you're, when did you realize that? What age? Oh, geez. You said 30? Uh, 35, 36, where so 36. I actually you, had to have somebody else tell me, no, that's not your fault. And I, it was almost kind of an argumentative conversation. I'm like, no, but it is my fault, you know? And I had to have someone like almost shake me like this is someone else's action, someone else's choices to do this. Like there is no reason under the sun. You deserve that. But I, the, that, that's what baffles me is you're, that's a child's thinking mm-hmm. and you're still doing it as an adult that this is my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't understand how a child is willing to take that on themselves mm-hmm. by nature mm-hmm. is strange to me. I don't. Yes. And, and a lot of choices stem from that, whether it was staying in relationships for too long that were no longer healthy for me and that were actually depleting or whether it was not being able to, I mean, geez, it had been a while. I mean, recently, I would say as of a year ago, I recently learned how to have a boundary and have enough self-love and courage and worth of like what I deserve to actually exercise it. And not, I, not feel bad about it. Right. Feel guilty after like maybe attempt to set a boundary or say how I feel like, hey, this isn't okay. Um, and then immediately want to retract and apologize for a healthy boundary. And so that's something very new for me. And it's completely changed my life. Learning how, what a boundary is, what, or a loving expectation, however you want to say it. Um, healthy, loving boundaries, how to create them, enforce them, and that boundaries aren't mean, they're not selfish, and a huge indicator of whether a person is toxic or unhealthy, abusive, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter the label, but a huge indicator of a negative person in your life is someone who reacts negatively to a healthy boundary that you've set for yourself because you love yourself. And if somebody reacts negatively to that, that says far more about them than it does you or I or anybody else because someone that loves you should want to, should be able to receive that and reflect and go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize I hurt you. I'm sorry. Those weren't my intentions, or maybe they were their intentions, regardless of the situation. Um, An emotionally healthy and emotionally mature person in your life, be it a spouse, a significant other, a parent, whatever the case may be, won't... Turn out on you. Right. Won't make you feel bad for having self-love. Won't make you feel bad for sticking up for yourself if they're being demeaning or they're yelling or whatever it, whatever it is, they will admire that and they'll reflect. And um, boundaries, 
boundaries aren't mean. And they've just completely changed my life for the better. And it takes a lot of practice. And in the first time that I did it, the first few times, I was just a nervous wreck. You know, like, oh my goodness, I offended them. And it's just, it's just even kind of silly and sad to think about that that was my mindset, that I was such a people pleaser. And I used to be so worried that I I had completely abandoned my self-worth for so long that I felt mean or felt bad or wrong for having any type of a backbone. And just even advocating for myself against poor treatment, you know, so. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's definitely been a journey and. And that's what I like to focus on. We've all we've all experienced some hard things, some of us more than others. But with that said, um, the yeah, I I think I told you this that I re- very much call myself a sir thriver because I I did I had a choice at any point in life to you know I was a I was a teen mother. I put myself through college, put myself through school, graduated early, high honors. I've done a lot of things in my life where at any point in time, I could have just decided, you know what? I've had enough. I give up. I have had so many reasons in the world to just want to lay in my bed and cry every day or maybe not even wake up. But that's not my nature. And learning the why behind not only why I do what I do, but why other people do what they do has helped me make sense of the world and has helped me to be able to navigate these hard situations and learn from them and grow and become a completely different person to where I want to help other people. And, you know, we all we all have a choice. When something bad happens, we have a choice. And and that is something I wrote on my mirror. I have a choice. I have a choice about everything. And I would look at that when I was dealing with anything. You have a choice, Cassie. You have a choice to acknowledge this, acknowledge this, attack it, and become better from it. I have a choice to become the victim and do nothing. I I have a choice to let this, you know, completely control my life and make me spiral or whatever the case may be. I have a choice and we all have a choice. I had a choice with past relationships that I got into. I And yes, there is a piece to all that where we do need to have grace with ourselves that yes, of course, like for me, I was doing what I thought was best. And now that I've grown and my self-love is far greater. I know I deserve people in my life that can reciprocate that love and forgiveness that I give to them. I deserve people that are going to show up for me because I show up for them. And the way that we can really completely change the way we think and how greatly that affects our actions and really just the trajectory of our lives is so powerful and I don't feel like 
enough people realize the power within themselves that we have the ability to rewire our brains. We have the ability to create new neural pathways that will change the way that we act, will change the success, will help us to heal and overcome trauma. It's it's remarkable. And we don't ever have to let an experience keep us stuck. We always have a choice. And you, I've heard a lot in the last few years that <clears throat> you can give meaning to past experiences too. Like, well, that happened. Yes, that did happen. You can't change that that happened, but you can change what that meant. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm looking at a book when you mentioned that you know, rewiring your brain. There's a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I just got it. Mm-hmm. My daughter told me about it, about rewiring how you, instead of having this fatalist, well, oh, this is the way I am, just the way I am, sorry. Just deal with it. It's like, no, you. it's the way you are now, but that can change if you want it to. If you want it to. If you want it to. If you see and you know, and we can at any age, at any stage. Right. I didn't realize the power in that. I didn't realize the ability that we had to do that. I've often leaned on outside resources, which is good. Like it's, it's what I needed in the moment, whether it was therapy, whether it was a sp- spiritual practice and, you know, just a bunch of different things kind of combined but that's a healthy way to cope. That's a healthy way to deal with something. With that said, always, you know, kind of being a sponge and listening to books and podcasts and just learning the why behind things really helped me um, navigate some uh, certain trials. But once I was able to learn and unlock <laughs> my ability to change my thoughts, change my habits, change my actions. I've become a different person. I've tried EMDR, which has been absolutely amazing. And for those that don't know what that is, explain what that is. So EMDR is really a practice where, um, so trauma, trauma is stored in our brains and it manifests itself. It can manifest itself in all different ways. It can manifest itself through headaches. It can manifest through an autoimmune. Our bodies have physical reactions to trauma. Trauma is stored, can be stored in our brains to where we don't function at our highest level. And we have, we may have a lot of emotions still attached to that trauma. We may not. It depends on what you've done with it, but that trauma is stored in our brains. And so what EMDR does is it puts you and and people do it differently different therapists do it differently but they what i my experience with it was getting to a meditative state while holding uh, receptors in my hands that as i unconsciously talked about my um as i talked about my trauma my brain was unconsciously connecting my right to my left, my right to my left sides of my brain. And you do that through holding these receptors that just kind of, they don't shock you, but just buzz. And so you're unconsciously like making those connections from one side of your brain to the other while you're focused on the trauma. And it, it takes away that emotional attachment 
to those those memories. And so doing that, doing AMDR completely changed my life. I could all of a sudden talk about things that used to make me, you know, just heartbroken or spiral. And I can talk about these things and I can tell stories about them. Whereas before it triggered you to go down dark rabbit holes. Yeah, absolutely. And now I can talk about them because there's not an emotion attached to it. Like you said, there, yes, I know this happened, but it happened and I've put it on a shelf and it doesn't affect me anymore. And so that's what EMDR did for me. And I did it around a few people that um, I had experienced trauma with. And I, I told those stories and I told those people what I'd always wanted to tell them. And I was done. You, you've, you physically did this around them or that was just, they were in the room with you? That's a good question. No. Oh, okay. It was as if I, they were there. And I was speaking to them and I, the therapist was asking me questions and she would say, okay, tell me about this event in your life. And then she would, and I was in a meditative state, like very calm, relaxed. And I got to that state before we began. And then she, she, after she had me talk about the trauma she said, now pretend that person is standing in front of you right now. What would you want to say to them? And then she ended with, what did you need from this person instead? What do you wish would have happened instead? What, what do you wish this person would have done for you in your life instead? And it gave me a lot of closure. And I just put it in a box, shut it, and was done. It was completely life-changing. And so I've also like um, learned about and practiced behavioral cognitive therapy where I know that if any of those little triggers or things do surface, because it's once you've experienced something, it's a lifelong journey. That doesn't mean you'll never experience a single emotion about that event or person or thing again. That's just not realistic. But it has changed my life a ton. So, but I have learned um, that if there is a trigger, what to do. And um, so you consciously think about how to react versus just reacting like you used to. Right. You really take. But can you give maybe an example of a trigger and how maybe how you were and how you are now? Right. Uh, So. Let's just use relationships, like a romantic relationship as an example. Like people that have gone through divorce or, you know, loss of a significant other, whatever the case may be. Sometimes we see a picture or we listen to a song or we have a memory or something that surfaces. Or um, you might actually even see them. Whatever the case may be that uh, triggers a certain emotion in you. I have learned to actually take the time to stop and address that and acknowledge it. What is, what is my thought? What is the emotion that's stemming from it? 
And what's the action that's coming from it? And I used to have a physical reaction to my triggers where I would get sick. I would cry. Sometimes I would shake. And I don't, I haven't had that for about a year now in regards to some betrayal trauma that I experienced for about four years. And it's, it's exciting. And it just, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes to this day because I know I'm in control of myself. Mm. I know how to handle it. And I did it. I put in the work. Like I have dedicated the last five years to healing. And it's amazing and life-changing to be able to go on that journey so that when bigger, scarier, harder things happen, like the loss of my grandchild, my life and positive experiences and just kind of uh, creating more positive neural pathways to replace, you know, this exhausting 30 minutes that I just had of grief. And so it's really, it's been a really great practice to journal. And it's just been once a week. But it's taken away a lot of the triggers for that week. Do you at some point want to not have to have that half hour every week? Or do you want to continue? Because it almost sounds normal yeah. to do that. Are you trying to take that away so you don't have to? I would like to have a different purpose for it. Right now, I I used to be in a... In, a daily practice of journaling and my practice of meditation is pretty spot on right now where I want it to be and affirmations, things like that. But with the journaling, I need to make more time for it. So it's not something I want to get rid of, but I would like to have just to make sure that I create opportunities to journal about lighthearted things as well and dreams and ambitions and um, my gratitude journal. I used to do it every night and I've gotten out of that habit. And so just making sure that that I do it, but, but what I want to get rid of is that it's not always for the purpose of being able to navigate and heal from grief or for the purpose of not having triggers for the rest of the week, just my intent. And so I could have that intent the rest of the week, but I just haven't made time for it. So I think it's really important to first focus on gratitude and then create your intent of what you want for the day. Like today, I'm going to focus on this. This is my affirmation for the day. And have affirmations visible. Have always be feeding your mind and heart with good things. Because, you know, as we know as children, I, if you're always told as a child, you're dumb, you're stupid, or you're not an, like, you should feel bad for what you did or, ashamed for these things 
they're going to grow up very differently than a child that was told, I'm so proud of you and I love you no matter what. And the world is a better place because you're in it and things like that. They're going to, their thought patterns are going to be different growing up and they're going to turn into adults that hopefully figure out why they are the way they are. And so much of it comes from our thought patterns and so much of it stems back to when we're children. And it doesn't always, you know, come from parents. It could it could come from anything. It could come from bullying. It could come, you just, you never know. But in my experience, which is all I can speak to, is that a lot of my, a lot of who I am is centered around not feeling good enough growing up. And so was it like that with all your siblings when you're growing up? I don't know how they feel now. Or do you feel like you were singled out? I know I know I wasn't singled out. I know I have another sibling who has experienced the same exact feelings and I I don't want to speak about her experience without her giving me permission for that. But I do know that she's really struggled with it and, but she doesn't want to talk about it now. And, and that's okay. But we all choose to deal with things in a different way and, and that's okay. And I can't judge that, but I am more vocal about my experiences now because I used to be ashamed of my negative experiences from my childhood because I thought they were all my fault. And now I see that, hey, I'm not the only one out there who has dealt with different forms of abuse or trauma or um, trials, just trials, period. I know I'm not the only one out there. And I know that if I share things that I've been through that it makes other people more comfortable to talk about their experiences and their mental health and that they're not alone. A lot of people have messaged me and they want to talk about certain things and they ask me about some of my, some of my past and, and they it's hard for them to imagine or believe that I've been through what I have because they see someone that's thriving and happy and healthy. And, but if we all could be just a little bit more vulnerable and create safe places for each other to do that and just love each other, our world would be a completely different place. If our goal was just to love each other and that that's my goal. I want to spread love and light because if I do that for one person, they're going to want to do that for another person. And if I do that for three people, that's even better. And so I just want to spread more love, light, awareness, education, just whatever I can do to get people talking and inspire them to deal with their ish. (laughs) 
you know, deal with your stuff and look inward so that you can have a better life and be happier and it'll affect, it'll have a positive effect on all your relationships. And so that's just, that's what I want to do. I want to inspire people to do that. And I want to uplift others and let them know that they're not alone. Sounds like a uh, a really good multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> Get three three others to like, share their crap. Yeah. Well, and with the social media world. So I don't, I really, even today, like I haven't aired every little bit of my dirty laundry and I haven't told every story and maybe one day I'll get to the point to where I have the courage to do that because there's a lot of power in being able to share those stories and maybe today it was just a stepping stone for that but what's important is that I do know that I'm humble enough and I'm willing enough to be the first to say, hey, I struggle with these things or this is what I've been through, but this is how I overcame it or this is how I worked through it. And if you want, I can help you too. We're in this together. I think, I don't know, I, I really just think that all of that starts with with love and and it starts with love for ourselves. And if Every single thing stems from that. And if you have love for yourself, and, I, and I'm not talking about arrogancy, but just, hey, I, I'm not okay with allowing certain people in my life that hurt me and, and um, just knowing when to walk away from certain situations, just having enough love to not even get into those situations. So anyway, everything stems from self-love, self-worth, and how you feel. And it's easy to not, I mean, we've, we've all heard this a thousand times. We are, our, we are our own worst enemy because we bash each other and, and we focus on what we've done wrong. And we would never say the things to our friends and our family that we say to ourselves. My wife would have left me years ago if she, if I said the things to her that I say to me, because mm-hmm. it's brutal, but that's, that's, you just have to practice and learn and, yeah. and that's hard. I've, um, I've had the opportunity to sit in therapy sessions with other people and kind of hold their hand and walk through journeys with them as well when it comes to different addictions, be it substance abuse or um, pornography, whatever the case may be. And in the moment, it wasn't super fun to be experiencing personally, but I love the knowledge and experience I gained from it because I really was able to see how much guilt and shame and love for ourselves drives our choices and how certain people in my life have chosen to to 
different routes of coping to deal with that or um, different routes of, you know, the, the, a lack, a huge lack of self-love and therefore seeking instant gratification or validation from other women or, you know, be online or like I said, betrayal through, you know, betrayal towards me, towards me or, you know, anyone significant other. And so it's, it's been, it's been an awesome journey to be able to watch people, um, overcome those things. Once they started to focus inward, they didn't need to cope with all these in unhealthy ways, or they didn't need to seek validation or instant gratification. It was because they were good, their inner peace. They had it. It was there and they, they loved who they were and they could talk about their inherent qualities that had nothing to do with their looks or how successful they were, their inherent traits is I guess what I'm trying to say. And, and that has been super neat to see and learn about how we can change, how anyone can change. And sometimes it just takes even like one person believing in them and having just one person that's rooting them on and, or being their biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Yeah. And a lot of times those people have been abandoned their whole life. And, and sometimes it just takes one person that believes in them. That's like, no, I got you. I'm here and I'm not going anywhere and you can do this. Just one, that one person that believes in them. And so that was neat for me to be able to experience and just, um, again, learn about myself, learn some things about myself, like. I show up for people, you know, all these things that define who I am outside of religion. I show up for people. I forgive people. I stand by people. I root them on. It's been, it's been actually amazing to be able to have those experiences and, um, learn a lot about who I am as a person and how I function in relationships as well. Like I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, obviously, like anybody else. But just seeing how I show up for people was pretty neat. So you mentioned having a cheerleader, someone that believed in you. Did you have someone or did you just get to a point where you said, I can't do this anymore. I have to live differently. So I decided, I decided when I was in, um, I mean, I, I know that I've shown up for people and been a cheerleader to a lot of people and made that decision, you know, when I realized they were struggling with something like, hey, I'm here for you. I will go to therapy with you. I will hold your hand. We will get through this together. And I chose to, um, in one specific situation that probably hurt me the most with betrayal trauma, you know, I I was really impressed with myself actually like geez, I always thought that if I was ever cheated on or, you know, things like that, that I, I could never talk to that person again. I could never work through something like that. And it is hard. And that's a whole different topic of my journey with that. And being with someone that was basically living a double life. <laughs> so 
anyway, that's a different story for a different date. But after I found out about a lot of heartbreaking things, feeling the compassion that I did, even in the midst of my own pain, knowing this person is operating in a way that is not who I know and who they truly are. I don't know what it's stemming from. All I know is for one thing, I can't have it in my life anymore because I deserve better. But with that said, I am also willing that to try again if this person is willing to acknowledge they have a problem and seek help for it and genuinely want to change. I will stand by you and hold your hand and I will support you. And I did. So that was my role. It's been my role in several situations with people in my life that have struggled with different addictions and then like with the betrayal and, and different addictions and that, in that relationship, um, to be a supporter, to be the cheerleader, to be a forgiver and, but also get to a point where I realized enough was enough that if someone doesn't want to change on their own and they're only doing things for you and they stop seeking help on their own, that it's really kind of turned into a codependent relationship and that while I'm giving and giving and giving and filling up someone's bucket, who's, who's ever there for me? Who's ever filling up my bucket? Who do I ever have, you know, to turn to, or where's my soft place to land? And it really just depletes you over time. It depleted me over time. And so that's when I finally learned about boundaries and I learned how to uphold them, even though I knew it meant receiving a reaction that was going to be negative. It could even mean this person leaves me and is upset because I have these loving boundaries in place. But at the end of the day, actions are always answers. And kind of back to what I said earlier, if someone, and and I recently spoke about this, if someone has a negative reaction to your healthy decision, that's not on us. That's not on me. And so I tested it out. I set loving, healthy, very rational boundaries and I got a negative reaction. And it was the first time I had ever done it. And then I kept doing it more and more and with more practice, just kind of, it was a phase of surveillance in a way, gathering information. Hey, I'm going to set this very loving, reasonable boundary and let's see if they even try to do it or if they shame me for it, or if they get mad that I have this loving boundary, usually around betrayal, usually around like, hey, it's not okay for you to do that with other women, like boundaries with other women, you know, and those are very reasonable expectations in a relationship. And so 
to have to to be brave enough to set these knowing full and well for that I should have been doing it for a long time but speaking it and loving myself enough to stand by it and be willing to walk away if things didn't change was super scary and at the end of the day I did have to walk away when you have held someone's hand and walked through a lot of hard things with them and you know the why behind their actions you develop this com- like within a relationship, a romantic relationship, you develop the type of compassion that you almost have for one of your children. It's this unconditional love that it's like, I know why you're doing what you're doing, but I can't fix it. And I'm no longer willing to suffer because of it. And so in a way, I felt like I was leaving a sick person and it felt awful. I felt like I was abandoning You were taking ownership for their behavior. Yeah. Like I'm leaving this person and I'm, I'm going to break my heart. I'm going to break their heart, but they're only doing this for me. They don't want to do it for themselves. They don't want to seek help for them. And that's temporary. Mm -hmm. That was really good for me to see because I mean, every action speaks to our self-worth. It speaks to my soul every time that I'm not a doormat or somebody else isn't a doormat. It speaks, it it speaks to ourself. It speaks to our soul and you do, you get better and better at it. But if you've never done it, it's really scary and you feel like you're hurting people, but I've got it figured out now. (laughs) It's still work in progress till the day I die. But geez, other people's emotions are not our responsibility. Nope. Their reactions to something, it's not our responsibility. It can really bring you down if, if you make it your responsibility. And Are you carrying the load for two people? Yeah. That's, that's not how, it, I don't think that's what God wants. Absolutely not. It's, in my mind, a good thriving relationship is Two healthy people. I mean, at my age, everyone's going to have their stuff. It's now <laughs> dating. <laughs> but have their, their stuff. You mean their shit? Yeah. Okay. Their shit. And I mean, we're all going to come with our, our shit, right? So in my mind, it's two healthy people coming together, walking through life hand in hand. We're still individuals. We still have our own stuff. We still have our own hobbies, our own friends. We're not codependent on each other. It's two healthy people walking through life together. And when one person is like, oh my goodness, I'm kind of struggling. You are healthy enough to kind of pick up the slack for a little while until they're good. But it should never be our responsibility. Like somebody else's emotions and reactions should never be our responsibility. And... Some people actually thrive in being fixers or th- find find their purpose in always finding being, broken people. Being needed. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. Being needed. So codependency can go that way to needing to feel important um, by helping a, a, you know someone in their life all the time and it's exhausting. I've been there too. 
and I've learned <laughs> that and I can instantly tell, okay, am I being coach a coach here or am I being a rescuer here? What's, and I have to ask myself that, are you coaching this person and like helping them figure out, like questioning them in a way that they can solve, end up solving their own problem? Or are you just stepping in and being like, oh, hey, I know how to fix that. I'm here and I'll do it. I'll do it for you. It's, it's exhausting. Yeah. And if you're coaching them, you should get paid. <laughs> That's my goal. I'm working on it. <clears throat> Finishing up the classes. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. It's, it's super exciting. Um, so <laughs> kind of like I mentioned before, there's not enough of healed people, heal people. And so I realized that in life, people I would meet, I, I was getting feedback from them. They were coming to me and, you know, asking me questions or how I worked through something or just kind of wanting my perspective about different things. And so I realized some things within myself, you know, like, I have the capacity to love anyone. I have the capacity to love a lot of people. And I've experienced just about everything you can think of to some degree. And I have the ability to empathize with people and help them because of it. And so I thought, and, and it brought me a lot of joy when, when someone, when people have come back to me and said, Hey, you know what you said to me, I can't stop thinking about it. And I want to make some changes in my life. That is the best feeling in the world to know that because of something really crappy you went through, you have the ability to support someone else as they're going through it and changes their life for the better. Help them help themselves, which will have a positive impact on everyone in their life. So, I just kind of, I, I was meeting a lot of people, um, just random people would come up to me and start telling me their stories. And I would say to them, you need to tell your story. That is such an amazing story and everyone needs to hear it. And, or people that I was talking to and kind of supporting them and overcoming things in their, their life. And then after they did, I'm like, People need to hear what you just went through and how amazing you are and that you stuck with it and you've grown and what what drove you to become better and, and all the things. So I was, um, I've been, I met with a couple of people to create a podcast for people to be able to share their stories, kind of, kind of like we are today and uh, in an, in an effort to not just bring awareness and to mental health and talk about it and make it a safe, vulnerable place to tell stories, but put more of the focus on the positive that came from it. And hey, because I went through A, B, C, D, well, this is how I went through it, but look at me now. And and this and inspire others. And just to create that safe platform to do so. And as I started going down that road, I just kind of started to share any little thoughts that came to my mind. And I had a really positive reaction to that and people reaching out to me and wanting support. And it was actually pretty overwhelming at first. And so I knew that 
I recognize that there was a need for it. There is a need for people out there to, like, people want to be heard. Some people want to share their stories. They want to be heard. They want to be validated. Some people just want or need a friend or they need love and acceptance. There are so many opportunities out there to connect with people and better their lives. And it became really overwhelming to where I thought, okay, at the end of the day, I really don't believe that it's a degree that makes you um, a Quali- great coach. Qualified. Qualified. Yeah. I believe it's the stuff we go through. Just like I wouldn't sit across. That's that's a PhD. You got a PhD in life. <laughs> a PhD in life. Yes. It's called pi- piled higher and deeper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, just like I wouldn't sit a, across from an 18-year-old therapist. They, <laughs> they, no credibility. They, they really just haven't experienced quite enough life yet. But I, I, I believe it's what we've been through that makes us who we are. And as you said the other day, things happen for us, not to us. And I truly believe that I have the capacity to make a positive impact on a lot of people's lives. And it, even if I can just change one person's life or inspire them to seek help or, um, better themselves that that'll better their families. You know, it's just that whole, like you said, that multi-level marketing in a, in a sense, mental health, mental health, MLMs. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for sure. So I, I just thought, well, you know what, just for the sake of making sure that I have a, you know, qualified, um, license and education and mentoring that might make other people feel comfortable. I'm going to get my life coach license and, but I do, I can already see how I've had a positive impact on others just by sharing what I've experienced. And that's, that's all I have. Because you've had some life coach. (laughs) I've had some life. I, I can coach you through it. And I can also be the first to admit that, Hey, I don't have it together, but I'm always trying well so. what does having it together even mean really right? that's so subjective it is it is or being perfect whatever you my know, definition how, is very different well how you define a lot of people my definition of perfection is striving every day to be better yes not getting it all right yes if you're better today than when you were yesterday to me that's perfection and that's where i think mm-hmm. sometimes we forget or we we don't understand what it means. Absolutely. You're right. That's a very good point. And yes, my definition of having it together. I mean, yeah, I probably never have and I probably never will because what is it? Well, it depends on how you define it. <laughs> yeah. you, you can have it all together if it's, if what are your, your definition may be. And if you think you have it all together, you're probably you're wrong. Probably, yes, yes. You're probably wrong. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Again, it, quote unquote, it, super is. Fun. Yeah. Yep. So that's where I'm going with things now. And I'm excited 
and we'll see we'll see where it takes me i i'm pumped i'm ready i'm on a mission so and you call it <laughs> hang on, i'm pulling it up here on my audaciously inspiring blonde yes that's my platform right now for now is that for now is that what your coaching is going to be or are you going to have yes. a different name no i think i'll go by <laughs> my my normal name my real name <laughs> for my coaching it will most likely stem from that page though because that's where people have started to see you know what my what i believe what my thoughts and opinions are about so many things relationships grief um, attachment theory i mean there's a there are a bunch of things on there having even down to spiritual practice you know having faith over fear um, love over fear, uh, bringing awareness to different things, be it suicide, anxiety. I mean, there's just a wide range of things that I love to talk about. And so, yep, it'll, it'll stem from there on Instagram. I haven't, I've been doing a lot of things on Facebook through my personal page. And I, that's where I feel like I've had the greatest impact is just my personal page on Facebook. But um, the life coaching will come from the Instagram platform of Audaciously Inspiring Blonde. So. I'm trying to think of my follow up question. <clears throat> the Sir, Sir Thriver, did you come up with that? Or is that I, something you learned? I, that's a I cool, could have heard it somewhere. It's a cool phrase. I could have heard, you know, I, I read a survivor means lot. you just, it's almost like victim. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm a survivor, but what are you going to do with that? What, what? Yeah, it's great, but don't let that be your title for the rest of your life. Yes. And I don't know, I can't speak to this. Honestly, I can't identify any trauma that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. My wife would say otherwise I've lost three mothers, but I don't, I don't, I couldn't say, yeah, that's traumatized me. Yes. Maybe it has. So I don't, I don't, I can't identify with someone who says they've gone through trauma. It's hard for me because I don't know if I have the experience. Well, and it's hard because trauma isn't just one single event and it might not even be a huge event. For some people, trauma is a single event that happened maybe sexual abuse or something, but sometimes there are different types of trauma. Trauma can be bullying. It can be, there, there's just such a wide range of things that it could be. And trauma is a new word for me because like I said, my whole life, I was like, no, I deserve that. Trauma was normal. Yeah. And even calling it that where I had been so, um, I'd gotten used to so many things happening. You were numb to trauma that became normal. <laughs> yes. I was like, no, calling it trauma. Like, no, don't call it that. That's That just seems so bad. <laughs> but like, but it was. It was my normal. So so when I'm talking to other people, I'm like, oh, shoot, that is bad. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We can call it trauma. You know, if it if it is affecting your thoughts and your actions and it's in there like you need to go back to that experience and you need to figure it out and you need to heal it 
And so, and we should never judge whether someone's experiences or trauma or whatever are harder than ours. And so therefore ours isn't valid. And and I did that my whole life. (laughs) The reality is, is that I've dealt with a lot more than some people that I was like, oh no, like your, your things are so much harder. Like, why are we even comparing? Like, because what's hard, their heart is their heart. Exactly. Yeah. I, w- I was an EMT for a little while, and one thing I did learn from that was every person's emergency is their emergency, whether you think it's silly or not. It's mm-hmm. big for them, and you can't say that. Well, that's dumb. Just suck it up, Buttercup. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's big for them. Absolutely. And you have to respect that. That's part of having empathy. Is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what I've been through. It doesn't matter what. But whatever you're going through right now, I can try to feel that. And I can sit with you in it and be there for you. And I can try my very best. Like you said, oh, geez, Cassie, I haven't really had a lot of, you know, maybe you can't relate to like a lot of trauma or any at all. And, but having the ability to empathize and say, hey, I don't know exactly what you've experienced or even what you're experiencing right now, but try your best to put yourself in those sh- in their shoes and sit with them in it. Like that's a huge gift to be able to do that. And I can tell that you do that just through our conversations. Yeah, you haven't, I haven't been through what you have. You haven't been through what I have, but you attempt to understand and feel what others have been through. And, and I can see that in you. And like I said, I think it's a, a big gift. And I think that's really how you help other people. That's how you thrive. If you are able to, you know, not say, oh, I've, I've made all these choices and I'm living my life this way because of my trauma. Like, I no, no, no. We all have a choice. And... Um, if you need support with changing your life, then seek it. There are people that want to help you. So it's not, it's not harsh. It's not like you have a choice. So buck up buttercup or, you know, it's like, but there are people. Just get over it. Yeah. Like never say that to anyone. What does that even, yeah. That's like having, yeah, your stuff together or get over it. What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's someone who's uncomfortable with you grieving or going through your whatever you're going through that's someone that's uncomfortable with that so they say get over it so it's not making me uncomfortable that's why they're saying that absolutely and i i love renee (laughs) brown and all her all of her stuff on vulnerability because she still talks about hey like still be careful who you share things with you know it has the potential to do more damage or not so make sure that Yes, being vulnerable is huge at work, in relationships, building that trust. But so I love how she speaks to that. But, you know, I've I've shared some things, uh, personal things, and have had a couple of people message me and say, go to therapy. <laughs> That's saying, get over it. <laughs> exactly. Go to therapy. Oh, it was so funny. And like, I, I invented therapy. <laughs> Hey, guess what? I can be your therapy. Just kidding. But so, yeah, it's just interesting how we all take, you know, we'll read something or listen to something and then 
according to our own life experiences. <laughs> we may perceive that through a certain lens or feel like we have the ability to say, well, you should do this or something's wrong with you. Or <laughs> well, Yeah, the fixer, the fixer in us. Well, yeah. Why don't you just do this and get it, just fix it. Yeah. And it was actually like, it was a, it was a post about grief and losing family, you know, and Hey, you can still live a fulfilling life and experience extreme grief at the same time. It's not one or the other. And I was told to go get there. <laughs> Just laughed about it. So yeah, it's, and, and I honestly had compassion for that person. Right? Like, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You almost have to go there. <laughs> right? And then they mean well. Again, people usually mean well. Well. Unless they're evil. And it has nothing to do with you. It doesn't. It doesn't. So it's, it's good. It's been a learning experience, and I'm excited to go down this new road, this new path in my life. So that is so exciting. And I, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing all this. I know we could talk for another three hours about all this, or I could just listen to you talk about it. In wrapping up, is there something you want to share with my listeners that I maybe haven't asked you? Like a nugget that's the final, if you if you walk away hearing nothing else, hear what? Or is that too much you, pressure? No, it's definitely not too much pressure. I would have to say, you matter, you are important, you are loved, and you're worthy of the very best that life has to offer. So do what you have to do to get to that place of loving yourself so you can be the best version of yourself, first for yourself and then others. That's it. What if they don't believe that they are loved? That's where they call you? <laughs> you can help them? Because someone doesn't believe it. Because like, I know in, in, our, in this LDS culture that we live in here, God loves you. Mm. Jesus loves you. And I've heard that my whole life. And even prior to joining the church, even, and even after I hear that, mm. but it's it still still rings hollow to me. Absolutely, I would. So say, how do you how do people tangibly like? What do I do with that? First of all, I would say I've been there. I understand what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I may not know exactly how you feel, but I do know how you feel a little bit because I've been there. My goal is to help you see that for yourself and apply different strategies to help you uncover that about yourself because it, it can feel foreign. The love of God or whatever your spiritual practice or belief may be or religious practice or belief may be, it can feel foreign. And so learning how to cultivate happiness and joy from yourself, you be, you begin to love yourself. And you, in my, I, I, I call him God. 
that's my spiritual practice, um, is I talk to God. And for me, I've been able to see that that love I have for myself all along came from someone much greater than me who loved me first and has such a beautiful, perfect love for me that I just couldn't see until I worked on myself first. It was pretty clouded. It was pretty mucky. And and maybe I couldn't see that, feel that, or believe that until I peeled away all the layers and worked on myself first. Nothing, nothing can replace inner peace. Once, for me, once I have come to a place in my life where I have such great inner peace and love for myself, I guard it with my life. And I don't let people, energy, anything in that I feel like might take away from that because I've worked hard for it. So yes, you know, back to your, to your comment about God and, and I, I grew up in the predominant religion. I've had some, I have some interesting things happen to me and some stories I could share, which I feel like are a totally different podcast. <laughs> but, um, even as you know, recently I shared with you, I have felt like maybe God didn't love me and my family that he was far away because I've been told my whole life he's in the details of our lives and how much he loves me. But I begged and pleaded to someone who I've been told loves me so much. I begged and pleaded to him to not take my grandbaby and just spare his life, restore his eyes, restore his limbs, restore his brain. And he still left us. And he, and the miracle I was begging for didn't happen. And so, yes, naturally I, I questioned God, like, do you, are you even there? Like, do you really love me? Like, I know I've been told this, but is this just something that people have told me to make me feel good my whole life? And so, yes, like I've had to question my own beliefs around feeling loved by a higher power. And so I've talked to and worked through a lot of people who have really needed a friend or support or just someone to talk to as they're making a faith transition or when they feel alone, if they're even questioning the religion they're in or they feel shame and guilt. There are so many different things that stem from religion in and of itself that all I can say is I've been there. I get you. I hear you. I understand. And though I didn't share the details of things that I've been through and religious abuse, I know how to support someone else through it and help them help themselves or the, their self, I guess I should say. So I, that, that's what I know how to do. <laughs> and it just, it just came from my own stuff and wanting to see other people thrive 
after hard things. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish to Thought Show. Thank you again for listening to the show. I really appreciate the time you spend to hear the words and hear our guests. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please send an email to parishpodcast at gmail.com. That's parishpodcast at gmail.com.